Hello and welcome back to the Off The Crossbar podcast with myself, Regan Walsh, and as ever, Brad Morris. Now, before we get into this week's podcast, make sure you like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from and follow us on Twitter at OffTCPod for all the latest news and stories from around the world. How are you on this Monday morning, Brad? With your hype, <laughs> the shouting that you've just started now. You were like this before we started recording. You really hopped up. Well, I told you, I just gave myself a few stretches and it's got me hyped up because we've got an absolute beauty to talk about this week as we had El Clasico, we had the Rome derby, there was the Classica over in the Netherlands, oh and there was some FA Cup action over here as well, but the less said about that the better. Look, don't disgrace the FA Cup, even if it didn't fully deliver on what we would have loved as a neutral. Exactly, so I'm disappointed in it. Anyway, dis- you were disappointed before that it even kicked off. I mean, I'm always disappointed in the FA Cup. It's boring. <laughs> I've spoken of my hatred of it enough times in the past, so we will not delve too much into that. However, what we will delve into is this weekend's El Clasico that took place on Sunday evening because, boy, oh boy, did that deliver. Yes, and I'm, I think we could say that's the first time I've felt pretty good about an El Clasico in years. Yeah, I mean... What a performance from Xavi's Barcelona side. That was just... It was Pep Guardiola, Barcelona-esque, that was. Yeah. It feels like every Barcelona manager has their their coming out performance. And it always seems to be in El Clasico as well. This was Xavi's. Yeah, 100%. Obviously, he had the El Clasico at the start of the year in the Super Copa, which I believe they lost, if I remember correctly. Um, But yeah, this one, his first... La Liga El Clasico absolutely showed why they're in some of the best form in European football and why the resurgence under Xavi has been so incredible and it's just absolutely incredible to see the leaps and bounds that they've come on from the first half of the season to now Yeah we've we've not really been shy in saying that he's been doing miracles with Barcelona mm-hmm. considering yeah, the players he's brought in in January and yeah. what they've now become they're all good again yeah yeah they're all like key players to how Barcelona play I mean prime example yesterday Aubameyang scored two goals assisted uh, one Ferran Torres assisted two and scored one I believe so it's just key to how Xavi has his side playing now Javi's skills as a potential top-class manager have just been shown for the fact that he's turned Aubameyang back into a world-class striker in the space of three months. Yeah, the the third I and mean, fourth goals were more like they, they were clearly showcasing that because it was just yeah. the quality of him. He played a big role in both of those goals. Oh, hundred percent. And he like he looks like a different man to how he's, uh, his time at Arsenal ended like it's just light and day difference and it shows uh, how much a player's confidence can be boosted by a manager's just having their arm around them and saying like this is what I know you're capable of doing and that's clearly worked with Aubameyang because he's flourishing uh, at Barcelona now yeah, and if we now talk the rest of the game itself, it felt like complete domination from Barcelona. It was a performance that reminded us all of the Barcelona of old, and Xavi mm. Ball is exactly what that it embodies almost. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean I haven't really watched a lot of Barcelona over the years because obviously TV rights over here uh, keep changing, but. I'm going to say that's probably the best Barcelona performance I've seen since their impressive comeback against PSG. Like, against a big you, you side. Would, you would go that far? I genuinely would, because they just dominated from minute one to minute 90 and always looked in control. And for me, they always looked like every attack they could potentially have scored. Yeah, I don't know what happened with Real Madrid. Is it just the loss of one player ruined it completely? I mean, it seems to be the way, obviously, the key player being Karen Benzema missing out through injury, which came out, I think, uh, after we finished recording on Friday that he was to miss our Clasico. But it just 
they had nothing like the amount of times you'd see uh, them on the attack whether it be Rodrigo on the left or uh, on the right or Vinicius and then there'd just be no one in the box like Fede Valverde wasn't making the runs that Benzema would typically make to give Real Madrid even half an option of potentially putting something past uh, Barcelona yeah, I don't feel like I can comment a lot with Real Madrid. Benzema was a big loss to any team at that point. Hmm. The rest of them didn't step up in the way they needed to if they were to get anything against a Barcelona side who are on the road. I mean, 22 goals in the league this season already for Karim Benzema is always going to be hard to replace. I mean, next highest for them is Vinicius with 14. So, although that's not a big disparity it's still eight goals that you're missing out alone and he's I mean Benzema's also the top assister in La Liga this season with 11 assists so you take out both what he can do scoring wise and then assisting players that's a lot of work for someone to come in and try and replace in a big game like El Clasico it's always going to be hard to replicate and we know that for what the next El Clasico will have a few additions to that I think that's a, a pretty sure bit and that's probably both sides as well we'll probably get a, t- a proper title race as well mm. next season bad night for Real they're still probably yeah. going to win the league though. yeah I mean if we look at the table they have what six nine point gap between themselves and Sevilla in second there's no way Ancelotti's side can surely blow that lead can they yeah, I wouldn't expect it personally. I mean, I'm not too sure on what their fixtures look like for the rest of the season in terms of how many more sides in the top four they have to face, but it would be uh, quite shocking if they somehow managed to blow this lead. You expected them to lose every single one of them. Mm. Which is just not likely to happen, but... Uh, Back on Barcelona, absolute full credit to how they played. I mean, just absolutely dominated. And it's just so clear to see like how Xavi wants his team to play. I mean, some people may have seen it from his short time uh, Al Sad over in the Middle East. And it was very clear then, like I've seen one or two highlights from his time there. Like, oh, he knows how he wants his team playing, like passing out from the back and quick, like one touch, bang, bang, bang play similar to how he was taught by Pep Guardiola and now he's actually getting to do with world quality players at Barcelona it just shows like his intentions are just practically like carbon copy of what uh, Pep did at his time so you were watching the Saudi Arabian league going that man Xavi knows ball well I mean I I haven't watched a game in the Saudi Arabian league but I've seen clips of it like his team doing that build up play which uh, obviously Pep was known for during his time at Barcelona and what he's done well is build like a good core because peak long term Aubameyang isn't going to be there like for no. more than two years maybe three years around that uh, mm-hmm. so the, we know the core is Pedri Gavi probably Ferran Torres as well yeah you could probably put Ronaldo Raja in there as well uh, I, I think there's gonna be there's still question marks over his future. I think contract wise, it's coming up in the next year or two, and uh, uh, but you got to think like potential summary comes because obviously they bought in Eric Garcia this past year, uh, who's probably going to be a key when he's main uh, mainly fit, and uh, obviously there's rumours that Andreas Christensen is set to join there as well, so. Arujo is question marks over but yeah the forward line like you said Padre, Gavi, Ferran Torres they are pretty much cemented as the new Barcelona front three going forward you'd say yeah like Xavi is cemented Pedri as the Monday version of him oh 100 in the same way that Guardiola made Xavi the Monday version of him mm-hmm. and who did that to Guardiola Johan Cruyff it's just a cycle that's going over repeatedly. And speaking of the late Johan Cruyff, it's just incredible. He last managed Barcelona 26 years ago, but 
his style of play is still working to this day because Pep Guardiola is doing what Johan Cruyff did in terms of like how he had his Barcelona team doing it and Xavi is now doing what Guardiola did which is obviously what Johan Cruyff did at his time at Barcelona so it just shows that although some things in football may change the simplicity of tactics that that man had or the genius of the tactics that Johan Cruyff had can still work nearly three decades later yeah like Barcelona haven't had a manager really like install that vision purely since like, was it Tito Villanova could we go that far back yeah. really which was just was that it was Tito just before Pep or was he just after Pep he was after Pep he was Pep's assistant remember yes and anyone knows Tito Villanova's story he did obviously have to relinquish the job like forcefully mm-hmm. yes uh, but yeah it's like it's it's kind of a hidden Barca identity that seems to have come back oh, it's not hidden to Chevy. I wouldn't call it hidden I think we all knew that was their identity you just have to have the right manager in to keep that going and let's be honest the ones they've had over the last few years are not that no Although Ronald Koeman was a part of that same team that Pep Guardiola was. He, he did used to play with Barcelona. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he couldn't uh, manage to get that right. And Xavi has definitely part got of the dream team. Yeah. That won the Champions League back in 92. Yes, 92. Yeah, but yeah. Just imagine what a full season under Xavi Barcelona could look like. They could be it's, really scary yeah. next year. They could be, but I would have to look at who they bring in as well to add to that. Mm. This could be another like long build, maybe not next season, but the season after. That's when it could really like shine for them. Yeah, and I think Laporta knows that as well. Like I think he has full faith in Xavi, like knowing this isn't going to be a straight year turnaround and Barcelona be league champions this time next year. But he knows the process that Barcelona are doing. A, in terms of recovering their debts and their money losses, but B, in terms of performances and winning uh, the big trophies again. And I think it's something that needed to happen at Barcelona. But hey, Spotify money will go a long way. <laughs> I still hate the name of that stadium. Honestly. It's just you. <laughs> right, uh, we'll come back to the rest of the European action a little later. So let's have a look at the FA Cup fixtures this past weekend here in England uh, which one of the four games do you want to start on? Honestly you could go through them all because only one of them was like massively like, massively even the rest of them were quite one sided a little bit yeah um, we'll start we'll go in chronological order so Saturday the much hyped game in terms of uh, statements at the start of last week didn't deliver I mean it was Chelsea's to lose and uh, Pulisic and no Lukaku and Ziyech not Pulisic Ziyech was the scorer uh, made it just easy for Thomas Tuchel side 2-0 up at half time yeah. cruise control second half that was it really in that game yeah Biddlesbrough didn't really have the quality or enough of the quality in the game to actually beat them they couldn't get through basically Chelsea yeah. weren't for it and they got what they deserved. Yep, 100%. Uh, next game saw Crystal Palace absolutely humiliate Everton, bring them back down to earth as they got thrashed 4 0. Mark Guehi, Jean Mateta, Will Zahar, and Will Hughes with the goals for Patrick Vieira's side. Good few days for uh, Mark Guehi. He managed to captain the side, England call up this uh, past week as well, and obviously scoring. Can't complain for the youngster. I know, it's like yeah, good week for him. Like yeah, it's nice when you see that happen. Uh, in terms of the game itself, like Everton were in it for the first twenty-five minutes, and then Guehi scored, and they were crap after that. Yep, brought back to reality after the highs of Thursday night. It was just yeah, embarrassing. You for can Everton. never, you can never have denied as well. Palace were always going to be so free, like they. They want a Wembley travel. Oh, yeah, they want 100%. to get to Wembley again after how well it went last time for them. I'd, well, I say how well it went. It ended 
controversially, didn't it? Like, you, and you're giving me that look. Stop it. You didn't deserve that win that day. Hey, if Alan Pardew does a stupid dance on the sideline, you deserve to lose. Yeah, no, he, they were cursed the minute that happened. I mean, he was cursed because he's never recovered since that, has he? Oh, God. Uh, but yeah, cruise control for Palace after that first goal and really damaged. A trip to win. Don't carry on, I'll let you say the Everton point. Uh, really damning for Everton, because obviously the highs of Thursday night, you'd think, okay, this is going to spur us on and give us that kick we need uh, for the rest of the season, like the last eight to ten games. But And then obviously potential trip to Wembley, you'd think, oh, we can get that. But then it just, like I said, brought back down to earth, and now it's, again, question marks of are they actually going to survive? Because if they're getting humiliated by Crystal Palace four goals to nil what are the rest of the Premier League sides that they've got to face going to do it was just slightly more damning that they were in it at the start and then the second the goal when their heads dropped yeah. just like that you you, you were done mm. which is really mm. worrying yeah uh, the last point I had with Palace was that it was nice for them get a, it was nice for them to get a reward for their exploits this season yeah we really deserve this trip to Wembley, like we said. Uh, quiet praise of Patrick Vieira this season. Um, he's doing a really good job. It's one of them where, like, we know realistically the manager of the season will probably go to one of the top three sides in the league. But if you've been honest, Patrick Vieira's job at Crystal Palace shouldn't go unrecognised. No, I think a lot of it should come to recruitment as well when you mm-hmm. get the likes of Elise and Gallagher in. Players that I would have yeah. loved to have seen sign for Aston Villa just yeah. because I've seen them play and know the quality that they can offer. Mm-hmm. Like they're doing something right. Yeah. Uh, right, the last two games Man City beat uh, Southampton 4 1. There was a little shaky moment just before half time as I'm Eric Laporte put the ball into his own net to draw Southampton level, but. Second half, Manchester City stepped up and got the other three goals they needed to to progress. De Bruyne from the penalty spot, Phil Foden and Riyad Mahrez both scoring within three minutes of each other. And I think the second half was just more like Pep managed. To, he probably grilled them at half time, and then they just turned into that second gear. It it went so like sit down, nobody speak, listen to me. drink water, relax. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, final game Liverpool just about beat Nottingham Forest late on Diogo Jota scoring in the 78th minute uh, controversy of whether the goal should have been allowed for VAR reasons but yeah, it, it was a goal though weren't it yeah granted the first angle we were all going he's off there like he's off mm. there and then they showed the real angle and it's yeah he's off yeah, but uh, credit to Steve Cooper side put up a proper fight in that game and never made it easy for Jurgen Klopp's men. Yeah. Although, if I'm being devil, if I'm going for the devil's advocate response, is it not a coincidence that the Liverpool scored when Keane and Davis went off? I knew he was going to say something about that. The man had Van Dijk on strings. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's not hard to do sometimes. Uh, no, however, the... 10 million from Forrest of the summer and you could have him not going to happen let's be realistic what, here. 10, uh, 10 million I don't think Villa sell him I think he's a integral part to Steven Gerrard's side next year if he plays like that then yeah I would love him to stay but I've seen enough of him playing for us and in the Premier League that I don't know if it's his level mm-hmm. well We'll see. Uh, so the semi-final draw sees Manchester City take on Liverpool and Chelsea will face Crystal Palace. The games to be played the 16th and 17th of April again from Wembley Stadium. Uh, official confirmation date will come in a few days' time, I would imagine. But I would imagine Man City-Liverpool would be the first game, which obviously throws up um, big interest because, as I said to you last night, the now fixture list that uh, Liverpool have in April is very very intriguing because they've got to play Benfica twice in uh, the Champions League, Man City once in the league then in the FA Cup, Man United uh, Everton as well they've got 
games against Newcastle and Watford and then they'll have a rescheduled game against Aston Villa which will probably get moved to the early part of May but it seems like April could be a key month for Jurgen Klopp's side in terms of both the league and Champions League. Yeah, like it's going to be the defining month really for the yeah. rest of the season. It's a lot of football. Yeah. I mean, I think that's about seven or eight games that they've got to play over that uh, April span. It's a good thing their depth's decent. Yes. I think the key thing they need to do is just have good squad rotation and uh, hope that none of their key players get injured in like the this time of period or even over this next international or this international break that we now head into. Uh, well, they've week. lost one. Well, yeah, obviously uh, Trent is out for a couple of weeks, no extent uh, on that injury, which you got to hope isn't too long for Liverpool's sake in, in terms of obviously challenging for that league title. Yeah, so let's, let's move on. Let's talk whatever there was in terms of the Premier League this uh, this weekend. Uh, well, Friday night, Wolves versus Leeds. I can't even remember. What the what the hell was the score on that one? How did you know? Jesus Christ, this is terrible. Did you not? How have you forgotten that Leeds came from 2-0 down to beat them? Oh yeah, that was it. I completely forgot because of all the other sport this weekend. That's why I completely forgot about it. And it was Friday night, and it's now Monday, nearly afternoon. Jesus Christ! You just can't get these podcasters nowadays, honestly. <laughs> yes, um, like you said, first half, Wolves two nil up, um, and you're thinking, right, that's cruise control for Bruno Lage's side. There's no way Leeds get back into this. But then Raul Jimenez gets sent off early in the second half. They play with 10 men and Leeds just get the fire lit under them. Yeah, let's start with red card or not. This is this is big for you because you're saying the Allen one from last Thursday was. So in your mind, you're going to be saying that this was as well. I mean, I know why the referee's given it. And do, do explain to me because I need it. Like I don't know how it was a red card personally. Well, main fact is that Iliam Melier had to go off injured. Oh yeah, yeah, there is that. But <laughs> so he's injured like, the goalkeeper. What's he was supposed what? to do then? Not go for it. Well, I mean, obviously, he was actually was looking at the ball the whole time. If, if you look back at it, yeah, and. Uh, you've got to run the risk of if you don't go for it then it's easy for Melier to do but then if you do go for it you do run the risk of injuring well Melier could have injured Jimenez Jimenez obviously injured Melier and then the repercussions for either player uh, that would have happened and again it's a controversial one whether it should have been given a red card or not but it was already it's more controversial in this case that Leeds went on to win because of it yeah but Jimenez should have known he was already on a yellow card you can't go diving in and making silly challenges again he did that earlier on in this season against Manchester City well, th- that was worse than this one like, that was all him this one is just him being a footballer and going for the ball mm. no one's forced Bellier to come out there that... no but again he's just doing what a goalkeeper does and closing down the uh, attackers I think it was a 50-50 call together and I think the second yellow was slightly harsh. Again, it's six of one and half a dozen of the other, but I don't think Wolves are really going to... Don't call me with your cliches here. (laughs) I don't expect them to appeal the red card. Uh, And speaking briefly back on the... I don't think you can. You can't. I don't think you can. Second yellows. Yeah, and speaking back on the Allen one, Everton did put in uh, two appeals, but they were both turned down by the FA, so he will serve a three match suspension. Well, now two yeah, games. That was, that was, the first one was that the one weekend. Was, that one was just confusing. Like, I can't even be asked. I knew that wasn't going to get overturned. Yeah, anyway, I, I don't know. I feel like we. I want to speak more on Leeds because, alright, the mad advantage made it a bit easy, but you've still got to credit them for breaking walls down and then snatching the win yeah I mean two goals in three minutes from Harrison and uh, Rodrigo and then Luke Aylin in stoppage time 
to get that winner. It was just. I need to credit the celebration. I need to credit the celebration attempts by trying to do the Robbie Keane. He admitted it is post match, yeah. and it went terribly. Yeah, just leave it to. Robbie it looked like it was happening about five miles an hour. It was just like <laughs> attempt that cartwheel. <laughs> Like Gamble, yeah. oh, it was like six-year-old me trying to do a Gamble for the first time. <laughs> uh, you just compared. And then he went, "Oh no, good sides, good sides." <laughs> uh, just stick to a simple celebration next time, Luke. If you're going to score the winner, just jump just into the fans. slide. Well, no, you don't, because he might have been on a yellow card at that point. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, We're not going to go looking for this, but. Just do a knee slide. Yes. Uh, right, let's... Do a knee slide the... and then throw Rodrigo into the crowd. Don't do that. He's tidy. Don't just just... <laughs> launch him. a little harsh. <laughs> um, th- I think the bad news, though, for Leeds in that game was the amount of injuries they amassed. I think it was like four injuries. Obviously, Patrick Bamford being the first one going off after just 23 minutes. He's having a rotten season, isn't he, in terms yeah, of injuries? Yeah. It, it... It's alarming now that it's happening. Like he comes back mm. and then he gets injured again. That's at his age as well. That's not. It's not great. No, it's one of them where, considering the time of the season, I don't know how long this injury is going to be for. But it's one of them. You like, do you just shut him down for the rest of the season and then say, oh, look, yeah. work to full fitness for the start of next season, uh, start of preseason and next season. Yeah, and I'd, if I was Leeds, I'd be looking at a new striker. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, on to the weekend's action now. Aston Villa played Arsenal on Saturday. Uh, Bakayo Saka with the sole goal of the game for Mikel Arteta's side, who have now moved up to fourth place with uh, a victory there. Thoughts on the game? Been fourth. They've been fourth for weeks. Yes, yeah, sorry, I don't, I don't know why I was keeping thinking they were a place below. They've have stayed are you going to tell them to stop over celebrating now at all <laughs> is this how it works uh, don't worry well done lads you just reached fourth congratulations yes that was my bad they, they have been fourth for a while um, just an easier game for Arsenal I'd say going best up the first half yeah like I didn't know who the home team was at this point the crowd was dead the players weren't mm. doing anything no out ball it was horrendous yes um, I mean, can, you can't even take any positives out of that game if you're an Aston Villa fan, really. Maybe that we didn't get battered. Yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, that is the main thing when you're looking at positioning f- towards the end of the season for uh, financial reasons. You want to finish up as high as you possibly can. And at the minute, goal difference is helping Aston Villa with the teams below them. Um, but yeah. Arsenal continuing their good reign of form under Mikel Arteta, obviously bouncing back from that loss to Liverpool uh, again in midweek. But apart from that, they've been on the upward rise under Arteta in recent weeks. They have, and that's been made very clear by many, many people. So the complete uproar afterwards that I saw on the much-fabled Villa Twitter was a bit sad. Yeah. Arsenal are good now, lads. Yeah. (laughs) Did you watch them? You need to stop pretending it's the opening two, three weekends of this season. They're actually a well-jarred side under Mikel Arteta now. I feel like there's still a certain section that's expecting us to be like top six straight away, where it's going to be taking it's going to take a bit more time. Yeah, I mean, what Gerald's what four, five months into the job now. Exactly, and I actually really liked. Him in the post patch. What did he say? I didn't really pay attention to. Oh, you know, there's no point talking about it. Then he was, he was interviewing with Des Kelly, on BT. It was he, he was getting a bit snappy. I was like, yeah, you're, you're bordering here, Steve. Mm, I, I, did he, did, didn't he say something about like Bakaya second needs to like man up or something or grow? Yeah, but there look, was... if you saw like tell me you saw that tackle and like tell me that it's that. Confirms me that that's not even a yellow. Like, that is ridiculous. Tyro Mings wins the ball like a second before he even gets near Saka. Yeah. Oh, he 100% wins the ball. Uh, 
But and Arsenal fans, I'm giving you respect, and you, all you lot, <laughs> just claiming red card in that one. What? Yeah, it makes no sense. Arsenal, obviously, staying fourth with that win, and then we'll have a quick look at Sunday's action. Leicester City managed to beat Brentford 2-1, Timothy Castagna, and a lovely goal from... Uh, James Madison gave Brendan Rodgers' side uh, the victory there to see them uh, move up to 10th place with victory there. And then the final Premier League game that took place was uh, about a lot of London between Tottenham and West Ham. And Hyung Min Son ran the show in that one. It was the Kane and Son show again. Those two are prolific when they're really on it together. Mm hmm. And. Uh, didn't help. Wasn't the best of starts for West Ham when Kurt Zuma puts the ball in his own net after ten minutes or so. Yeah, the memes. The, the memes. Yes. Did you see? Did you see that it was a fan held up the Kurt Zuma shags cats sign? Yeah, it was I heard it. <laughs> like you did see the vid, right? I don't mm. think he shags the cats. Yeah, um, that's definitely worse than kicking the cat. Let's be I honest. Yeah. That's the clip but, we didn't um, see. Yeah, uh, I don't ever want to see. Thank you very much. Uh, but after uh, after that goal, it was just ease for Antonio Conte's side as they uh, climb up to fifth place now uh, in the Premier League, uh, three points behind Arsenal. But the Gunners do have a game in hand over Spurs. Uh, right, that is all the Premier League action that took place this weekend. Uh, as we now head into the international break for the next fortnight, which nobody really gives two shits about. No, these are friendly, so who cares, really? Mm. Warm-ups. I think, I think maybe for like South Americans and all that, like, yeah, I think they're still, still gone. They're World Cup qualifiers, but uh, the European lot, they are just friendly, so England are playing Switzerland and Ivory Coast. Um Two bits of news, obviously, Trent missing out of the squad, so I don't know whether the replacement's been named, and uh, Aaron Ramsdale... I believe, yeah, I believe Ollie Watkins has been added. Yeah, uh, David Ornstein of The Athletic reported that this morning, that uh, Watkins has been uh, added. Uh, Keeper-wise, though, who the hell do you start for England, now that Ramsdale's out? I guess it is Pickford, isn't it? But it's the tried and tested at this point, when Ramsdale mm. is injured. Yeah, I mean, it's a good job that they're only friendlies and not meaningful games because, Jesus Christ, I don't think I'd trust Pickford. I'd just about trust Sam Johnston. Oh, I wouldn't trust Sam Johnston. He's having an awful season. I've spoken to a few West Brom fans. (laughs) Yeah, West Brom fans uh, have made it clear that he's not having a good season and I think he clearly is thinking of that summer move already. So yeah, it's going to be in, it's going to be uh, a little bit intriguing to see what uh, Gareth Southgate does in terms of team seat team sheet selection going into these two games. <laughs> you, you you were trying to sound like a Spanish bloke that when they say sheet. Yes, but uh, I'm not Spanish. Right, let's head over to the European leagues now and wrap up the weekend's action there, and we'll start over in Italy as the Battle of Rome was dominated by Tammy Abraham and AS Roma. I mean, 23 goals in all competitions now for Abraham. Mourinho has really turned him into an absolute animal. Get this man back to England immediately. I mean, I think it's still another year until Chelsea can activate his buyback clause of 80 million, I think it is. But Chelsea have made an absolute catastrophe. Why did they Mm. get rid of him? You look at Lukaku um, and he just can't fit the style. And there's Tabby Abraham who probably could have done something for a winner. Yeah. It just looks like an absolute mess from uh, Thomas Tuchel and the Chelsea board in this situation. But yeah, pure dominance from Roma. 3 0 up at, at half time. I mean, obviously, uh, Lazio dominated in terms of possession, but that's the only thing they really dominated in because everything else was just Roma through and through for the whole 90 minutes the result sees Roma leapfrog Lazio into that Europa League place and they uh, no sorry Europa Conference League place not the Europa League uh, so it was a big big win 
and obviously bragging rights as well is always a, a good thing there. Elsewhere in Italy... Yeah, I, feel like, I feel like you have to remember as well, if they win the current Conference League they're involved in, they would go to the Europa League, I believe. Oh, God, don't ask me how this lot works. I think it is... I would gather similar. that's what would happen otherwise. What's the point? UEFA milking more money out of fans. Yeah, that's... Yeah. But they do that anyway. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere this weekend in Italy, Napoli, uh, they managed to beat Udinese 2-1 uh, with Victor Osserman scoring a brace there. Inter Milan drew 1-0 with Fiorentina, Denzel Dumfries and Lucas Torreira uh, scoring the goals of the game. Did you see uh, Torreira lost a tough in that game? Yes, and it doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Hmm. Absolutely uh, crazy. Uh, AC Milan managed to beat Cagliari 1-0 with Ismail Benassa or Benaka uh, scoring the sole game of a goal of that game to keep them top of the league. Uh, Juventus beats Salernitana 2-0, and that is all the results from uh, Italy. We head back to Spain if I now. Add, can I add what? a mini point with Italy? Are Juventus mm-hmm. slowly in the getting into the title race? Uh, y- yes and no. In if that makes sense, because kind of because obviously, I, it, yeah, obviously the rest of them would have to lose. Like Ids have got to beat them if they play them at some point. Yeah, because I mean that. Yeah, they're only four points off second, but they're still a distance behind AC Milan. So that's why I'm saying yes, they are. But at the same time, no, they're not because they're running out of games. Eight games left of the season. I did say though, this is what. Uh, Max Allegri could potentially do with this uh, Juventus side he could get them playing really well and get them close to the title I mean just having a quick look now the rest of their games they've got to play uh, Inter Milan after this international break on the 3rd of April which is obviously going to be a big big game and then the rest of their games they have Cagliari Bologna Sassuolo Venezia Genoa which you'd say they're all winnable games and then their final two games they play Lazio and uh, Fiorentina so potentially they could get into this title race but I think it may be just a little too late it does seem out of their hands slowly Hmm. Uh, right back in Spain uh, Atletico Madrid managed to beat Rayo Vallecano 1-0 with Koke scoring the sole goal of that game for Diego Simeone side and the big game between Sevilla and Real Sociedad finished 0-0 and finally Real Betis also amongst the top four or top five sorry uh, only could draw 0-0 with Salta Vigo over to Germany now and Borussia Dortmund just failed to close their gap again this is what happens they get close and then they mess it all up again Mm, drawing 1-1 with Cologne this time Sebastian Anderson scoring the equaliser there for Cologne did you see um, the tackle that Jude Bellingham uh, received from Salier Ozchan I saw it this morning the quality of boots nowadays no wonder Mm. I mean, it, it didn't look like a challenge that could do that much damage, but he's just shredded his boot into half. And like you say, you quality could have done to his ankle. Mm. Like you say, quality of boots does not uh, impress nowadays. Uh, elsewhere in the Bundesliga, Bayern Munich beat Union Berlin 4-0. Uh, just another two goals for Robert Lewandowski as he continues to do Robert Lewandowski stuff and now he's now taking his tally to 31 league goals this season, uh, which is... Absolutely no surprise there whatsoever. Uh, By Leverkusen beat Wolfsburg 2-0 and RB Leipzig drew 0-0 with Eintracht Frankfurt. And finally, over in France, Jesus Christ, PSG. They're trying their hardest to bottle it in. They really are. I mean, the fans may have been booing Messi and Neymar last week, but it just proves how clinical Messi is to that team because... He's the top assister in Liege 1 this season, and without him, no goals. Yeah, the rest of the team lacks in attacking quality if you take out, you know, the best player ever. Yep. It's just, Jesus Christ. I mean, Ben Yedda, once again, proving a nightmare for French defenders, and anyone that's played with him on FIFA knows how OP he is. Somebody's getting a new FIFA card. <laughs> 
elsewhere. It is a female uh, team now. We're all private teams, so yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> Uh, elsewhere in Liege won this past weekend Rem managed to uh, hold Lyon to a 0-0 draw Marseille beat Nice 2-1 uh, despite a late late goal from Mario Lamina for Nice it wasn't enough as Cedric Bacambu and Arcadius Milik scored the goals for Marseille Ren put 6 past Mets to win 6-1 and Bordeaux's poor season continued as they lost 2-0 to Montpellier pretty much confirming their relegation although they're not officially relegated yet it's practically can, done for them it, can I say it's, it's poor a bit of an understatement shambolic that, that's kind of started yes uh, right on to predictions league now and it's all tied up as I said on Friday we, we wouldn't it's be taking sad yes uh, we wouldn't be taking this weekend's uh, fantasy football into consideration because of the lack of games, uh, although you did win, I don't. I did good. Yes, um, although someone managed to, I think, tri- triple captain from one of the strikers, and they've got over a hundred points. I was like, how the hell did you manage to get over a hundred points in like four games? Yeah, I've just said they triple captain Harry Kane. Yeah, she's over smart plays. <laughs> uh, but looking on predictions league uh, we both get a point for predicting that Crystal Palace would beat Everton so even if we combined both of our scores together we still wouldn't have got the right score in the end there as it was 4-0 to Palace uh, Leicester Brentford I get the perfect score for predicting 2-1 uh, in that game Brad gets one point for predicting that Spurs would beat West Ham uh, he also gets one point for predicting El Clasico right in the favour of Barcelona and then the final two games between Roma and Lazio and Monaco and PSG we were both wrong so we're now tied on 91 points all to play for yep. close to total race than that of the Premier League I think we could exactly. safely say we know how to do title races and apparently a bit of breaking news coming through and it's a sad Sad day for all Premier League fans and football fans of English football. Apparently, Mike Dean's retiring at the end of the season. Oh, God, no, stop it, no. Mm-hmm. That's what the BBC are reporting. No, I refuse to believe this news is true. <laughs> uh, I it would, it would be the most Mike Dean thing to say, yeah, I'm going to retire and then call out the last day of the season. Say, I'm not fucking leaving! What do a Tom Brady... <laughs> I, mean, I was thinking Wolf of Wall Street but yeah, I know I could tell from the I'm not fucking leaving bit because although I haven't seen the movie I do know that scene because it became iconic everywhere um, Well, it, it wouldn't be people cheering it would just people going oh <laughs> for god's sake not again uh, but yeah I thought you were about to say a... someone had died I was like this is going to be very bad when I segue into the next segment Jesus Christ, I, I can't bring you the tone down that much unlike what I did uh, pre-recording, which we won't mention. Anyway, enough of all that. It's time for this. My word! That is quite something! I don't know, Jeff, has it? I do not believe what I've just seen! Feels like it's been a while since we've heard that. I don't know about the you. moments are lacking. Like we were lacking in outrageous moments, but thankfully, we had it this week, and it comes from the MLS. Ooh, what has the USA provided us with this week? Then they have a, they have provided us with probably the best commentary line I think I've heard in quite a long time. I mean that's big statement there it was the Orlando City goalkeeper who was down injured and mm-hmm. the commentator Chris I believe it's Chris Whittingham is that how you say his name I'm going to say yes because I don't know MLS commentators that well right so this good first video you've not heard it you're about to have your mind blown because Chris Whittingham said this I say stay down you would too Chris yeah you hit him in the penis I mean, <laughs> do 
genitals or never regions would have been a, a better turn of phrase there than just blatantly hit him in the penis. Could we, why could we not have accuracy like this in English football from our commentators? Uh, because the amount of people complaining to Ofcom would be sky high. I mean, we know what people are like with Ofcom not complaining over anything, but... Oh, yeah. <laughs> he hit him in the penis. <laughs> Straight and direct to the point. <laughs> I'm not going to make any genitalia It was a bit before, it was like, just he was like, well, you, you would suit him. Yes. Uh, they managed to win that game, though, against LA Galaxy. Yeah, so. Bye-bye. Saved his never regions. Yes. And <laughs> in other news in MLS, <laughs> Phil Neville, you're still a shit manager. That was so unnecessary. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Any chance I get to have a shot at Phil Neville, I will get a shot in at Phil Neville. Oh, God. It's hardly a terrible take, though. That is it. And <laughs> this is the time where we go to the worst take award, which... Is I would say an overwhelming majority from us two who wins it this week. Yes, and I'll let you fire away with it then. Gary Agbonhor trying to be the voice of the voiceless with comments on Arsenal celebrating their win over Aston Villa. What the hell is this guy playing at? <sighs> I mean, he's got a former what teammate are you also. playing at? I <laughs> uh... oh, got the I <laughs> got the clip. Oh. Jeez, you have one job, and that is get the audio clip sorted for this bit I've got of the one podcast. phone. I can't have everything saved. That's why you should get a soundboard. So you can I have would, I'd love to have a soundboard. Well, yeah, um, not the first person to criticise Arsenal celebrating this season. Obviously, we remember Ruben Nevers doing it the other week in February. Uh, Ekban Lahore did it. Ashley Young has done it the, again after the Arsenal game. He's saying uh, it was like they won the league. Um, question. D- did this season, was the new rules implemented that saying players can't celebrate wins? It feels like it's a lot more of a vocal opinion that's coming out this season. I don't know why. Because I mean, we've been vocal in this in a past podcast that it's completely stupid, and I was, it was great to see Laura Woods call it out this morning on Talksport as well. Yeah, because wasn't it Jamie O'Hara who criticised Man United players for when they beat Spurs the other month as well? Let's see, this is this is where it's beautiful because Gabriel Bonhall was completely shamed this morning. If you haven't seen the Laura Woods clip, go on our Twitter at RTC Pod. I did a tweet regarding that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, Gabby Bonnell back in November was saying oh, that Villa should have over-celebrated like, a victory. It was nice to see Steven Gerrard go crazy in celebrations. Fast forward five months. Now, how dare they? How dare Arsenal celebrate? Exactly. And you've just, just... said Jamie O'Hara as well, who has come out. I think he commented stuff as well because he was on this morning about well, Arsenal should be allowed to celebrate. And you've just said that he also complained last month, a few months ago as well. I'm sure he, I'm sure it was him that was criticising Man United players. Oh, it was some idiot on Talksport. The pundits are hypocrites, and they mm. they're fickle, a little bit fickle as well. Yes, uh, but that doesn't surprise me that they're working for fucking Talksport. I mean, Jesus Christ! Anyone that listens to that, I feel sorry for you. But we like Laura Woods. Yes, well, I mainly associate her with Sky rather than that she's all. She's a very good pundit. Very good presenter, yeah. I should say. Actually, not Bondit, but uh, yeah, very good more Laura Woods on telly. Get her to replace Jeff Sterling next season. I would take that absolutely. Yeah. Oh, though I can already see what the white middle-aged men are going to say. Oh, a woman shouldn't be present in this show. She knows nothing about football. That's not how Tim Sherwood sounds. <laughs> I don't know how Tim Sherwood does sound. He's a bit more Cockney. You know? Is he Cockney? He sounds Cockney. <laughs> It's like that. Who knows and who cares about Tim Sherwood? Not me. I used to play two number tens for Aston Villa. We bamboozled the likes out of them. I discovered Jack Grealish. (laughs) Right, uh, that is the end of this week's podcast. He's never said Uh, that in his life. I feel like (laughs) I mean, I think it was quite obvious that Tim Sherwood probably never said that in his life. Um, Was it more Danny Dyer than Tim Sherwood? 
I wouldn't even say it was fucking Danny Dyer. It was diabolical. What you did, but it wasn't Danny <laughs> Dyer at all. It's spending a load of time at university, a load of people from London. That's what it's done to. Me. Yes. Um, right. Well, that is the end of this week's podcast. Um, we will. I don't even know whether we'll be back this week because it's international weekend and no one really cares. See, you hate that much. You're just not willing to do a Friday podcast. Although right now, I don't see what there is to talk about. Maybe we'll just have a go extra time instead. Yes. Where we can talk either all things Chelsea, all things Everton, all things Man United, or all things all things. Which confused myself there. Yeah, but maybe not this week. But we will have one over the international break, I'm sure. Yes. And in the meantime, if you have missed Maybe any... Maybe we just have a rest of the few Mondays and Fridays now. Yes. If you have missed any of our other podcasts, make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcasts from, whether that be Apple, Spotify, wherever. And make sure you're following us on Twitter, at OffTCPod, to keep up to date with all the latest news that may happen over this international period. And until whenever we come... Maybe you, maybe you just want clips as well. You want exactly. to go back and listen to a little tiny clip. Go and subscribe to our YouTube. Yep, yeah, uh, off the crossbar, I believe that is called on our YouTube channel. Well, it would be a bit funny if it wasn't called the same name as the podcast, you know. No, but I didn't know. I couldn't remember whether you had shortened it down like you've done with the Twitter handle. Jesus Christ. Anyway. We'll I, was about to, I was about to plug your other channel as well, but no, you don't deserve it. <laughs> I haven't done this week's video. Anyway, talk about that after all. Uh, right. It's goodbye from Brad. Yeah, see ya. And it's goodbye from me. We'll see you soon.